fellow fiends. Welcome to another terrifying and delectable episode of Nightmare on Film Street. The horror podcast with zero credibility, but all of the blood, ghouls, and gore. Your puny heart can handle. <laughs> Let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street. I'm John. I'm Kim. And today we are going full werewolf. In our first official werewolf episode. I think I we've think. talked about werewolf But in before. our first official. Like werewolf exclusively for, werewolf. Werewolf v. Werewolf. Yes, yeah. exactly. The proceedings of this courtroom drama. What? Werewolf v. Werewolf. Sounds like a court Oh. <laughs> like we're setting a precedence? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Also, I think we lined this episode up to coincide with an actual full moon, which was super cool of us and well thought out. Yeah, hopefully we did that. I, I think, I feel like we we were mapping out the episodes. We were like, we should do werewolves on a full moon. Yeah. And then we did werewolves. Yeah. Whether we completed the second half of that task will uh, require some Googling. Yeah, now that we're sitting in front of the microphone, don't really have the opportunity to do that. So just gonna <laughs> trust that past us do what they were doing. This full moon is a many splendored thing. Don't you just love it? It's so, so bright out. I was gonna say that. <laughs> But this week, we are talking about The Howling and an American Werewolf in London. There is no short way to say that title. A Werewolf London. Yeah. London Werewolf. <laughs> like, ma'am, are you having a stroke? <laughs> <laughs> you know what's weird? This is kind of unrelated. Well, not really. It relates to stroke. <laughs> so many public spaces have those defibrillator things now. They never used to? No. I guess I've just always noticed them in like lots those, of places. Those heart electricity things. So what... Things that electrify your heart. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the grocery store we shop at in Whitby uh-huh. has a uh, an what? actual like sign outside that they have a defibrillator there. Like, if you have a bad heart <laughs> and you're like, just like, I'm going to change grocery stores. If I have a heart attack, though, I think I'm going to go across the street. The only other sign that I can think of outside that store, other than the name of the store, is the gigantic banner that says, Beer is here. <laughs> <laughs> That's also a deciding factor. Yeah, so if you're going to drink yourself into a heart attack, this is the one-stop shop. And the library has, like, two of them. It has one on every floor. Well, I mean, have you seen who frequents libraries? <laughs> the infirm. <laughs> <laughs> And us, I guess. Yeah, the infirm and us. And the soon-to-be infirm. Oh, that's us. Uh-huh. I don't know, though, if I would have the confidence to be like, oh my god, emergency, heart emergency, need to go grab the defib, get this party started. I don't know that you're supposed to use it. I think it's there for paramedics or oh, or somebody. I thought it was like a they should bring stay their own, alive right? type thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. When, uh... When I was a manager of a retail store, which was like 800 eons ago, and we had to do CPR training. Yep. 
And I remember, like, every time I had to do it, I was just like, yep, I'm never going to use it. <laughs> like, like <laughs> I do not have the confidence. I will ensure there is no electrical hazards and no water hazards and call the 911. Uh-huh. You're not going to hum the Bee Gees while you do those chest compressions? I don't know. What if it's a baby? Like, Ooh. yeah, that, I don't have the confidence for that. Do they teach you that when you're in a CPR class? Or yeah, they just, you're like, supposed you to use like, yeah, wow. yeah. I'm like, oh, thank God I'm not a lifeguard. I just don't have the. Uh, like, I just want to sell T-shirts, and I don't even want to do that. <laughs> it's funny how all the fun activities, you know, like being a retail manager or uh, swimming, such fun, such fun, and they suck the joy out of it by reminding you that oh, if somebody dies, that's on you. Yeah, like, guess what? You're responsible. Like, they always said that, too, if there was ever, like, a fire drill or, like, a a gas emergency or anything like that. I was responsible for all of the customers, even out in the parking lot. I was like, what? They can just get in their fucking cars and go to another gap. Like, they're fine. You know, it's... Uh, I can't go to another gas. It sounds fucking heartless and like a weird thing for people to do, but if I was shopping somewhere and I, I needed these pants and the place caught on fire, you know, if I didn't have to stick around to give a statement, I'd probably just leave, find another store, get another pair of pants and forget about that other store that went on fire. Yeah, why would you wait like at high school in a fire drill being like, can we go back in the gap yet? Yeah. <laughs> wait, hey, if these, if these are smoke damage, do I get 50% off? I'll stick around for a deal, but otherwise I'm going to another fucking store. Store. I've been inconvenienced. Where's my coupon? <laughs> oh, that sounds like customers. The Amazon robot's bringing it. <laughs> the entire time I was trying to think about how we got here, and I was wondering how defibrillators related to werewolves. Um, strokes. It, that's how we got there. For many folks. Yeah. <laughs> strokes, defibrillators, moon, werewolves. <laughs> oh. It works every time. Before we get into the episode, though, Kim, what's keeping you creepy this week? Well, we have been on a bit of a Alfred Hitchcock kick. Yeah. <laughs> Hitch kick. Yeah. Uh, oh. Yeah. My brain did that, but too slow. I kept calling it a Hitchcockathon, and I didn't like the way it sounded. <laughs> Hitchcockathon. Yep. It sounds inappropriate. It does sound inappropriate. It's funny how you can say Hitchcock a thousand times. Doesn't sound weird. <laughs> Add an athon, and you're like, why do you have to do it so many times? <laughs> But yeah, like, it's not of super importance, but I have really been enjoying myself. I have seen probably a handful of Hitchcock films in my life, the, mainly the, the big ones. The big ones, yeah. uh, The ones that everybody talks about. So sure. we've been trying to find some lesser known. We've been sticking mostly with the mystery and the horror ones. Yes, sort of, uh, not avoiding, but we'll get to the espionage films later. Those are for Sundays. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite, though, of the recent bunch we've been watching was Dial M for Murder. Holy shit right so good yeah so awesome how do we never watch this movie yeah if you are unfamiliar with uh like hitchcock's back catalog and you're looking for uh, a recommendation i would totally suggest that one it is a very like a stage play it's mostly in one apartment Mm -hmm. and it's a handful of characters lots of dialogue as hitchcock is pretty notorious for but a great mystery and definitely keeps you on your toes. Yeah, that classic killer who thinks he's so much... He's got it all figured out. He's the smartest person in the room and there's no way... He is, ever, though. He's a pretty fucking smart <laughs> dude. And at every turn, he narrowly avoids getting arrested. But to watch him sort of slither his way in and out of being caught for this murder uh, is is brilliant. And that murder scene is gorgeous. 
to fucking watch the cinematography and it's brilliant the cinematographer that he worked with did tons of movies with him including rear window vertigo oh, rear marty window. right we watched that one recently we watched too. that one too it's so good yeah we're we're slowly slithering our way into his his movies his films from the 30s and 40s but good god dial in for murder is is probably my new undiscovered favorite like yeah. Psycho or Vertigo is probably always going to be up there. But. Yeah, Rear Window is pretty high for me after that most recent rewatch. Normally, I would just be like Psycho, totally, a hundred percent Psycho. Yeah. Uh, Rear Window is so good though, and I would kill to see a stage play of that. Uh, it was recently spring. Where... It was recently spring. Yeah, it's it's come and gone. Uh, <laughs> we're back still... in winter again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but as the weather warms up. You may be looking for some springtime horror movies to watch. Uh, I would absolutely recommend checking out... Uh, we've got two lists on the website right now. I would absolutely recommend checking out Revenge of the Equinox. Equinox. Revenge of the Equinox. You can say it however you want, but know that I'm judging you. <laughs> okay. It's a list of eco-horror films, uh, including things like Frogs. I'm sure you're all familiar with Frogs. I love that movie. Kim loves fucking Frogs. I don't know why. It's not good. <laughs> Yeah, and like these, these span multiple decades. We're focusing pretty heavily on the 70s, uh, but we've also got some films from the 80s, 90s, and also Black Sheep is included in there as well. So if you are looking for the plants and the animals fighting back, this is definitely your list. And honestly, for the movie posters alone, you absolutely have to check this out. And your spring break has probably come and gone, but if you're still looking for some tropical and some uh, teens getting murdered and under the sun, you should check out our spring break horror movies list. There's tons of classics and modern day picks. For fans of Piranha and Piranha 3D. <laughs> and lastly, I want to give a big shout out to our most recent patron, Janice. Janice, thank you so much for your monthly pledge. Uh, newsflash. We're werewolves. It's unfortunate. It's a full moon. We're going to turn tonight. So thank you so much for getting the pledge in now. We can finally afford the chains to hold us down. For years, we've gone around killing our friends and family, and it really weighs on us pretty heavily, but thanks to your support, those days are behind us. Safe from here on out. I was, I thought, you know what I thought you were going to do? It's like, a, if you were in the grocery store and your heart stopped beating, <laughs> <laughs> even though I'm terrified of the defibrillator, I would use it. <laughs> I am super terrified of those defibrillators because on Breaking Bad, there was that guy who just killed himself with one. And I'm sure that's not hard to do. It is a stupid amount of electricity that will either stop or restart yeah, your Yeah, what if heart? somebody's only fainted and you're like, quick, get the blood guns! <laughs> the blood guns! <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you want to talk about some werewolves? Yeah, sure. I think we're ready. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm upsetting you, David, but you don't understand what's going on. I understand, all right. You're one of the undead... And I'm a werewolf. David, stop! I'm going to the police. Jack was right. Jack is dead! Yeah, Jack is dead and six people are dead. There's going to be a full moon tonight. I'm going to the cops. Oh, be serious, would you? So, American Werewolf in London from 1981, directed by John Landis. It's currently sitting at a 7.6 out of 10 on IMDb, a 90% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, 2 out of 4 from Roger Ebert himself, and 3.9 out of 5 on Letterboxd. 3.1 out of 5? 3.9 hmm. out of 5. Uh, I am going to be entirely truthful. 
I am always surprised when you tell me that we haven't talked about this on the podcast. I've brought it up a few times. It is always a surprise to me that we haven't already talked about it. And I feel like we have, so I don't really have a lot to say. I think it's come up. I mean, we've done other horror comedies in the same vein. We we probably talked about it when we were doing Gremlins or something. And we watch it a lot. This is probably the fourth time that we've seen this in a calendar year. Yeah, we saw it at the drive-in. I swear we've seen it at the theater like a couple times. Oh, definitely. It's a classic. Who's going to say no to American Werewolf in London? But we did talk about it in like a What's Keeping Us Creepy, I think. So we probably given like a five-minute chunk. Yeah, I'm just... I'm a little drained on talking about the movie. I also don't feel like I need to see this movie again for a few years. Yeah, and I, apart from being like, yeah, makeup effects, what a great job. I don't know what else I'm going to say about it's this movie. It's kind of a canned response at this point. Yeah, because it's have... like, makeup is good, and everybody's like, yeah, we, we know. Yeah, I, we're also we're echoing, aware. like, uh, apart from the fact that we're echoing things other people have already said, we're echoing things that we've said to each other before. <laughs> That now that I'm saying him out loud feels rehearsed. Because <laughs> to be truthful, I'm just tired of this movie right now. I've seen it so many times. But fuck do I love it. I am always surprised when we put it on. Because I know all the beats of this movie. We've seen it a ton. And every time I figure I can just put it on the background, I stop doing what I'm doing and I watch it. I have that same way, too, where I'm always surprised at how much I enjoy it. Because I'm not big on... Werewolves? Mm, I don't even know if I can say that. I do like werewolves. Yeah. Uh, Like the underworld life. Yeah, but that hardly counts. I just, I really love a good simple story. And this is a very simple story. And it works really well. Because the characters are believable. And they're humorous. And they're endearing. And the casting is great. And the makeup is phenomenal. It's insane. It's just everything about this movie works. And it could have all fallen apart if just one cog wasn't turning right. Like, if the characters couldn't hold their own, then you would notice how simple the story is. Or if the makeup wasn't great, then... There goes your entire werewolf movie. Like, this film really depended on the comedy landing, the horror landing, the acting of these really young, fresh characters, and the makeup. And it all... Everybody pulled their own weight, and it just became this perfect little film that doesn't really fit in any bubble. Like, it's from John Landis. Yeah. It's such an odd movie to be one of the most acclaimed horror movies to come out of the early 80s. It is a very strange movie. The funny thing is that all of the the points that you're mentioning about how, like, oh, if it didn't have this, it, it works, but only because of this. And, you know, if it wasn't for this, it would have failed. These are all points Roger Ebert made in his review. Uh, he was not incredibly favorable toward this movie. Paraphrasing a little bit, he, he basically said that the ending... You know, as much as you really want it to come, it just happens all of a sudden and you don't care. He, like, he was really harsh on the end of the movie and he also didn't think that any, like, you cared about any of the characters in the movie. He thought tonally the movie made no sense. It was just too weird. It was two films stitched together, almost. I didn't feel that way at all. Yeah, and he's, you know, I I think like everybody, he says the best part about the movie is the best friend. (laughs) Which, yeah, is fucking amazing. He keeps just 
falling apart and decomposing and oh fuck rick baker is a genius i almost have to say that i like the makeup on the friend more than i like the werewolf makeup well yeah that's an unpopular opinion. Don't is say it? it like it's not. No, every everybody's like that fucking seven second werewolf transformation scene is lit. And it I think is, it's I think it's, it's way totally more lit. than seven seconds. No, I think it's seven seconds. I read that it was seven seconds, and Rick Baker Baker was like really upset about it. But then it got like a standing ovation in the screening, and then he was like, "It's okay." And then he won the first inaugural Oscar for makeup effects, so I'm right? sure he was fine. What a shame. sure he was great. Um. Yeah, I love the, like, the fucking fleshy bits hanging off the friend's neck, and you're just like, it's amazing. it's so gross. And it's all tied directly to his skin, so that way when he moves, the makeup moves, it looks brilliant. There was gonna be a scene, but they cut it out to hit their R rating, where he was gonna be eating a piece of toast, and it was gonna come out oh, through his neck holes. Oh, man. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't do it. He did eat that toast, though. <laughs> so good. I wanted that toast to come out the holes. <laughs> that would've been great. Also, the setup in this movie is fucking amazing. The Slaughtered Lamb is probably one of the most iconic horror movie bars of all time, apart from the Winchester, which is Shaun of the Dead. Oh, man. We need to do a horror bars game. That needs to be one of our games. That sounds like a good idea. Except they're all, like, notable. And so... question, does At World's End... At World's End? The World's End. It's not the fucking Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> the World's End. Does that count? Because there's several bars in There are a movie. lot of bars in that Could movie. you name one of them? The World's End. That's one of them. <laughs> oh, why did I not say two? <laughs> That's another thing Roger Ebert hated about this movie, actually, was the slaughtered lamb. He no. thought all the patrons in the bar were stagey, I think was the term that he used to describe them. It felt like um, National Lampoon's movie. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> it felt like you were walk walking into a skit, which, knowing who made it, and then it turning into a horror film, is really kind of interesting for an audience trying to catch the tone. And in a setup, not giving the tone right away is a good idea. And weirdly, these Americans are in London... They, I'm honestly under the impression they basically just got there. Mm -hmm. And they're backpacking their way through the moors. They got to a pub and they ordered tea? I know it's cold outside, guys, but you're in England. You're, you're just outside London. You're at a pub. Get a fucking Guinness or something, right? I would have got a tea. Okay. They're tired and scared. Tea is like, got tired and scared written right on it. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, and they're funny right off the bat, and they're scared, and they're young, and so you're really, like, latching onto these characters in this, like, semi-scary situation they've gotten themselves into, and it's quiet, and it's simple, and you don't know the tone, and it just works so well when all of a sudden one of them gets mauled to death. <laughs> yeah. So when we're still in the slaughtered lamb after David and Jack have left, they've basically been kicked out, really, more than anything. I love that they hear the wolf and there's the discussion like we need to go get those guys. It's not safe out there. They know what's waiting for them. And even though they're kind of rough around the edges and they weren't all that welcoming, the the barmaid, she was mean to them and she was like rough and she was just like no outsiders. But she wants them to go get them. She wants these these guys to go and rescue the boys because they know there's werewolves. Yeah, if we don't go get them. Yeah, at least one. If we don't go get them, it's murder. And the response is, well, then murder it is. It's pretty good. It sits heavy on all of them. And ultimately, they decide to go save them, but just a little too late. Tragically. 
I just see. I don't think that they go save them. I think that they come because of the commotion. Because the boys start trekking back to the lamb, but they're kind of lost. But I assume that they're getting close to the the lamb and they're bringing the wolf with them. Okay. I don't know if it's honorable that they save David. So two questions. They know there's a werewolf. Mm -hmm. And if you know there's a werewolf... If you know werewolves exist, you are always aware of when the full moon's coming. I don't know if full moons matter all that much in We're this gonna, movie. We'll get to that later. Like, there's a lot of, like, double-day full moons in this movie. Yeah. Like, um, double-dip full moon. <laughs> yeah, don't double-dip. Um, okay, sure. Like, let's say... Let's just assume the full moon has something to do with it. I would never be out at the pub late at night when there's a full moon in the fucking sky. And secondly, if the full moon doesn't matter, I would never leave the house after sundown. Well, and also, too, they dispose of that man-werewolf pretty quickly, so these guys all have guns. Like, why don't they just have wolf hunting parties? And it then sounds like it'd be no problem. Get rid of the werewolves, and then maybe they don't have to worry about their sheeps, because I assume they're all sheep farmers. We're in the highlands, and... The, the bar is called the Slaughtered Lane. Well, yeah, and there are sheep in the beginning of the movie and there's oh, yeah. I just assume everybody has something to do with sheeps and their livelihood. Well see Kim what you you fail to realize is that them riding in with the sheeps on their way into town is to show that they are innocent and they're being led to slaughter. Uh, I don't actually think that's true. A werewolf in sheep country though is a really smart idea. What about a werewolf in sheep's clothing? How's that? Uh, I guess that's fine. <laughs> but yeah what a good place to hang out if you're a wolf. I mean, he probably doesn't eat people that often. They probably have an agreement, like, you're like, okay, don't Holy come shit, to the think... road, mm. and we'll give you one sheep a, a full moon. And that's why they had to kill him, because he attacked Jack. You've Probably gone too far. Once the werewolf tastes human blood, it will never go for a lamb again. I don't know if that's true. It's obviously not true. <laughs> well, we can't ask him, he's stiff. Uh, so David wakes up, and he's in some hospital in London, mm-hmm. and... David, I want you to prepare yourself. Your friend Jack has died. Has <laughs> like, <laughs> died. Yeah. Would you like us to get the American embassy? What, eh, what accent was that? Oh, that's terrible. That was like, <laughs> crikey. <laughs> crikey, you're dead, David. Crikey, David. Don't make me feed you, David. Shall I read to you, David? <laughs> what was that? These are just so bad. Well, we're not trying to do good accents right oh, now. Oh, we this is a, yeah, this, this is This is a sizzle reel of just bad bad over the ponds oh my god kill yourself david oh wait he's american (laughs) um so they tell david he was attacked by a crazy guy and david's like no it was a giant dog and they're like sure and everybody kind of is like brushing it under the rug okay don't you agree i thought you were gonna say gaslighting i'm like don't fucking say gaslighting i want to say it they do gaslight him (laughs) Uh, anyway That's my new, like, word of the month. I know it is. Uh, <laughs> there's no evidence to suggest that it was a wolf, other than the fact that this guy, this friend of his has been torn to shreds. Honestly, even if... What if it was a combo? What if it was just wolf One, two, and punch? crazy man? Yeah. <laughs> Working in cahoots in the same body. Yeah, we, we've seen what Jack looks like in the same body. Uh, <laughs> we, we've seen what Jack looks like. There's no way that guy's fingernails would ever get sharp enough to tear Jack's throat open like that. Madmen can do all kinds of things. Like, okay. use garden tools, maybe several sharp implements. You never know. Yeah. 
What if they only know he was a madman because he attacked them naked? And that's well, they the- had the thing is, is they had a killer, and then they had townspeople shoot him, and there was like a dead kid, and then there was a dead killer. And didn't they also like dress his wounds? Case like, they- closed. Okay. <laughs> I really like the segments in the hospital with David. And not just because of Jack. Like, Jack is brilliant. The special effects makeup is awesome. He's hysterical in this movie. But the nightmares that David has are really unsettling. Yeah, and I love the tone of... There's, like, a contrast between the gore and the humor with the friend. And then the nightmares being actually pretty scary. Even though they're, like, Nazi werewolves. Which is kind of sort of silly. Like, it's, it's such a weird tone. And it's set in a really white, bright, vacant hospital room. Yeah. It confuddles your brain. Once he's out of the hospital, though, it's kind of like a really slow, boring, softcore porn, right? It's a weird... <laughs> it's almost like a fetishy movie without being... What's the fetish? Like, the paternal girlfriend thing. Oh. Um, it's like the mom... Like, it's... She is supposed to be, like, older than him, right? Yeah, definitely. Okay. And, well, also she's a nurse, and she feeds him, and she reads to him, and she coddles him. It's a little uncomfortable, but it's very PG. I don't know. There's, when you watch it, you get some kind of like, yeah, there's some there's some sexual undertones. You don't get that? Well, I mean, there's a bunch of sex in the movie, so I see it a little bit. I think that the werewolf transformation thing is usually about puberty or adulthood becoming a different person in a way. I don't know. There's, there's a whole chunk of this movie that's not slow, but strange. He hangs out with her. He goes shopping in London. They sleep together a few times in her apartment Mm -hmm. and meanwhile you know it gives our doctor enough time to go out to the sacred lamb the slaughtered lamb to figure out the truth about what happened that that night it's just weird i don't know that i'm i'm in love with that section of the movie i like it mainly because i wanted to get out of the hospital sure but i mean the sequence where he kills those random neighbor people and uh wakes up naked in the zoo and stuff, and then, like, that sequence where he's he steals from that little boy, and then he's wearing that jacket, and he's on the subway and stuff. Like, that's funny, and that's silly. silly. But then when you think of the gravity of it, like, he's murdered people, and he doesn't remember. He murders a lot of people at first yeah. night. He is so goddamn hungry. Do you think, as a werewolf, you eat the victims, or is it mostly about killing them? Because if we really are going off of... Uh, that the dead people look the same dead as they do when they're killed. They don't look mangled much. Like, Jack looks fucked up this in the movie, final theater. This movie looks more like killing than than eating. But yeah, I've always found it kind of surprising how many people he kills that first night out. Typically in a movie, you'd see him maybe hunt down one person. And then 20 minutes later in the movie, you know, he breaks through some chains and he's out and he's hunting a few more. And the kill count just kind of keeps piling up. But he does the majority of his people eating that first night. Yeah, and for how, like, light this movie is tonally, it's so cool that um, his friend, the only solution is to kill himself. His friend is like, you, you need to kill yourself before you become this werewolf because you're going to guilt people, or worse, you're going to turn them into werewolves. And you don't see that much in this because he he's definitely very successful at werewolfing. All these people are dead pretty instantaneously. But... I would love to see a werewolf movie that's about an epidemic where, like, 
you get one werewolf, and then you get 30 werewolves, and then you get 3,000 werewolves. So you then... need a shitty werewolf, like one that's not able to kill people, like he just scratches them a bunch, <laughs> like he can't catch Maybe up. Maybe it's kind of like a zombie thing, or like a vampire thing, where they just come back and they're werewolves. I don't know. Um, zombie werewolves, that sounds cool. Yeah. I'd watch that. That'd be cool. I like werewolf movies. Yeah, I do too. So let's talk about the transformation because we kind of we kind of glossed over that, and it's the biggest part of the movie. I think that is the most iconic thing. It's super impressive to watch, and I love. Uh, there are bits of David's character that get flushed out in being a werewolf. I love how regretful he is about the whole situation. Like he apologizes to Jack while it's happening. I think that's awesome. For me, it's like purely visual, like. I love the shots of the, the stupid little um, figurine on the table watching him. Mm. And it's, like, non-judgmental, but it is. There's him becoming this monster in, like, a human place. There's a couch, and there's doilies, and there's comforter on the bed. And, like, he's just this primal being that's busting out of his clothes. And every time it shoots on that little, is it a Mickey? Um, it just reminds you of how fantastical moment is. Yeah. I think it's funny that when she comes home, there's no evidence of that transformation anywhere. Even just like a like a werewolf-shaped spot of sweat on the carpet. Anything. <laughs> there's a lot of fur in here, David. Yeah. Um, I also just love how much of the transformation was done on camera. A lot of werewolf films have Shadows. attempted <laughs> to do that and unsuccessfully. And this film does that like elongation of the paws and the snout and the ears forming on camera in like, it's so well done. You know, so many different little robots and animatronics and different components had to go into taking those like single moments of like an ear forming or like a hand stretching out and the stretching of limbs and bones and muscle tissue is brilliant in this and fuck yeah does it hold up years later it still looks incredible yeah and we don't have an amazing copy of the movie it's just a, like a regular dvd and it looks great I'm going to disagree with you a little bit on a statement you made earlier. And I'm going to say I wish the whole movie took place in the hospital. I think it would almost make more sense for the whole movie to take place in the Ooh, hospital. Oh, I'm going to like that. It's not like he would stay in the hospital. An American werewolf in London general? Yeah. <laughs> An American werewolf in hospital. I, it'd be great. No, like, he leaves. He goes to the park. He goes to the subway. He chases people down. But he's still under supervision of the doctor. So much of this movie is about the doctor trying to examine him. I guess that's that's why it's not in the hospital, because we need to find David. We need to see what's going on. We need to see if he's all right. But Yeah, but he needs to wreak havoc in London. That's the he whole He can still point. get out. It's not like he can't just open a door or a window and leave the hospital. Also, the scene in the cinema is great with all the, the corpses that he's created, and that nudie film that they made is fucking hilarious i love it see you next wednesday it is the funniest thing ever you can see ads for it when he's chasing uh the businessman down whoever whatever you want to call his character in the subway there's posters for that porno all over the movie which is funny i've maybe london's different but i don't think i've ever seen an ad for a porn anywhere <laughs> i think it was just that the times were different there was a period where times square in new york was not a place tourists went it was mostly strip clubs, porno theaters, and just garbage. That's also why in The Howling, which we'll get to in a few minutes, she's in a downtown core and it's nothing but porno theaters. Mm. 
they they were just the seedy areas of down the downtown core for a long time, and they've completely cleaned it up because nothing drives business like tourists now. Woo. I guess. I'm just I'm usually a tourist. Yeah. <laughs> The movie's funny. The movie's hilarious. It's like any dumb porno. They're they're making out or they're having sex or whatever, and then somebody barges in the room to interrupt them, and then they go back at it. And then there's a phone call, and they go back at it. Like there's no story in this porno. And no, and some guy busts in and he's pissed off, and then he's just like, "Oh, wrong house." Like yeah, no, doesn't like, know anybody. Damn it! I told you not to cheat on me. And she's like, "I've never seen you before." Like, oh, my mistake. <laughs> Leave. In the credits, you can see that it is. Listed as the, the 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 cast for that porno is listed completely separately. It is near the end of the sequence where we do get a lot of we get a full look at the werewolf, and I think that's the only moment where I don't absolutely love the werewolf. He's kind of like short and stout. He's very shoulder heavy. Uh, I don't remember who wanted what, but I remember John Landis and Rick Baker being at odds at whether he should be a dog-like werewolf or if Mm. he should be like a human and standing up and ultimately they went with the four-legged type and um i don't say that i have a preference (laughs) i i'm i'm okay with my werewolves being either or but he was definitely a little a little pudgy for me (laughs) yeah solely maybe for that shot in the subway where Buddy has tripped on the escalator and as he's pulling up we see david as the werewolf sort of coming out from the tunnel I think that's one spot that where looks it amazing. totally works for him to be the dog-type werewolf. That's a really scary scene when he's, like, falling up the escalator. Yeah. Ugh. That's the one thing I never want to happen, by the way. I never want to trip and fall on an escalator. Have you ever looked at an escalator and thought, you know what, if I, if I fell here, it wouldn't be the end of my life? I agree with you, but I think that pales in comparison to, like, a werewolf coming and eating you. I think that's kind of the higher threat in that situation. I guess, but like, when I'm... oh, God forbid your shoe falls off and gets eaten by an escalator. Like, there's a werewolf. Yeah, they do that, too. They do eat shoes. I've seen that. But, I mean, if I fall and I hit my shin on something, I Final don't... Final Destination 5, I get it. <sighs> Four? One of them. One of them. Yeah. I think it's the Final Destination. <laughs> oh. Which, is that five? I think it's four. four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then the ending is super bleak. Um, He causes chaos in the downtown. And, yeah. like, car accidents and people dying. That guy gets hit by a car, who IMDb trivia says was John Landis, which... Yeah. I really that's one of my favorite moments of the film because it's so fast and it's really fucking twisted. It looks it looks real. Very dark. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of the ending though? They I, shoot him in the alleyway, he turns back into a man. I like it. I yeah. like that I don't know how Alex gets past a wall of like police officers to like go speak to this dog beast, but she does and she tells him that she loves him and you believe her because she's a really well-meaning actress and she's very thoughtful but when he lunges for and then there's something in his i'm getting to it i was doing it in a storytelling way john um and then there's like some kind of like knowingness in his eyes and you think that like he sees her as like who she is and that he loves her too and then no he's a beast and he lunges at her see how much better that was yeah kablamo and then they shoot him kablamo thanks john very poetic and then it ends because she cries and he's dead okay and it's very sad. Do you not think it's a weird choice, though, given that previously in the movie... He's, he's always been doomed, though. He's been doomed the whole movie. 
he's doomed the second that they go on the moors, just like friend Jack was. And he tells him that, like, you have to die, David. And then he does at the end. And it's kind of another, like, all for naught. He was, like, living on borrowed time. Like, he fell in love with this woman that he, he shouldn't have. And mm -hmm. that's great. But I think that's beautiful. It's like we took steps to establish halfway through the movie that the werewolf can only be killed by somebody that loves them. And then we're in the alleyway. Why did we take steps like that? He starts talking about Lon Chaney, and he starts talking about the original Wolfman, and he says, I believe that, because she hadn't seen it, so he kind of gives her like a quick rundown of the original movie, and he says, I think that a, a werewolf can only be killed by somebody that they love. And, you know, cool, like, that's a theory that you can have, whatever. But, I mean, if you're going to put it into your movie, chances are it's going to have some fucking payoff, which doesn't really come. In a way, she's in the alley and she says, I love you, David, and he has this moment of realization, there's clarity, like, we are seeing David through those werewolf's eyes. Oh, maybe he intentionally lunged at her because he does love her, but he knows that he's a beast and he needs to die? Okay, now I'm back on board. <laughs> I think this is good. <laughs> maybe that's what it was! Yeah, I know, I think you're right. I think oh. that's what this is. Poor David. Poor David. And he knew that if he and just And I saved... liked him, too. Oh, yeah, no, he's great. There's so rarely a movie where I just like everyone. And he I got like this movie her. off a Colgate commercial. I, I thought it was Dr. Pepper. I have no idea. I like I him. I like his friend. I like everybody. Everybody's movie's great. Everybody is great. Yeah. It's so sad. That is very sad. I just wanted them to be together. Because they were so, like, ill-fitting. Her cute little apartment and him being, like... This dumb American. When he calls his family, too. When he calls his and he sister only, and he, he calls only her, like, gets a his little sister. Yeah. yeah. That is a great scene. Oh, he wants to call and say, I love you guys. Because he knows he's going to die, no matter what. Either he's going to... He wants to kill himself. Such a dark movie. Such a weird tone. Yeah. It's, a, it's such good writing, though, for a character. Like, it's so believable in that moment. This movie is a misfit of the genre. When you really think about it. It is a misfoot. It doesn't belong it, anywhere. It's in such a good way, though. Yeah, yeah, brilliantly, yeah. Like, it's good to stand out. Even with the, the gore. It's just, uh... It's polite. <laughs> it is polite. And it's undercut by humor, right? So, like, you're, you're shocked by it, but then you're laughing. And then you realize, like, oh, yeah, right, this is just makeup. Uh, what is your rating for the film? That is a fucking hard question to answer. I'm torn. I, I want to give it... Like a 3 or a 3.5. I think I'm going to land on 3.5. And I can't necessarily think of why I don't give it a 4 out of 4. But there are moments in the movie that I think are weird and strange and just maybe like go on a little too long. Yeah, I think it's the best that it possibly could be. I think it's my favorite werewolf movie. Um, But yeah, I'm going to go with a 3.5 out of 4. I think it's amazing. And I can't honestly think of things to say that I our weak points in the movie, really. I think that the .5 doc on both of our parts is probably just from saturation because of how many times we've seen it, and especially recently. It may have lost its luster a little bit. Yeah. If we this was the first time we'd watched it in, like, five years, I think we would have been like, four! Probably. But I think we're just tired of talking about it because we, every time we saw it, we would talk about it. And now it's just like, what is left to say about this movie? It's wonderful. Yeah, so apologies if this section's been stiff. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off 
my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. But let's move on to a fucking bonkers movie, The Howling. From 1981. Uh, you gotta say the year. You can't just say. I'm gonna say thing. it after the trailer bit. Trailer bit. What do you see? <laughs> the howling. Somewhere in this city. In this human jungle. It begins. Somewhere in these woods, in this primal, sensuous, secret place, lies an experience too terrifying for words. Okay, so The Howling from 1981. Thank you. Directed by Joe Dante. This movie has a 6.6 .6 out of 10 on IMDb. 68% on Rotten Tomatoes. Two out of four from Roger Ebert himself, with probably the strangest review that I've ever read. Um, and a 3.3 out of 5 on Letterboxd. The interesting thing is that I was surprised to find out this movie came out the same year as An American Werewolf in London. Because this movie will forever be compared to An American Werewolf in London. Which, that sucks for them. And that is not the case for An American Werewolf in London. Turns out, to be the better of something is the only place to be, because it doesn't matter if something came out the same year as you. Yeah. Your transformation you scenes and stuff, like, everything will be compared to An American Werewolf in London. Yeah. I did not know that, and I think that is crazy. I actually didn't Even know that watching either. it, I was just like, this isn't no American Werewolf in London transformation scene, which is unfortunate because this movie had, at one point, Rick Baker was going to be doing the transformation scene. Can you imagine how pissed off Joe Dante is and anybody involved in the movie? Like, we could have had the better one. That could have been our Oscar. <laughs> Do we want to get into the transformation stuff? No, let's, let's talk about the movie a little bit because this movie is an interesting one. I had not seen it prior to this, had you? You know, I thought I had, watching it, nothing rang a bell. I cannot believe it has spawned eight sequels. Eight? Yes. You I, looked that up. You I, confirmed. Seven or eight. There are eight, I think, eight The Howling movies. I think the fourth one, uh, if I read correctly, is a more faithful adaptation of the book. Even though it's not, it's like the original curse or something. Oh my god. Yeah, I know, I knew nothing going into this. I still know nothing. And I've seen it. So we follow Cheryl, who is a news anchor. Karen. Carol. Karen. Karen. <laughs> Why do I think she's Cheryl? So she's a news anchor who's doing non-news anchory things and going out to meet this tip-off guy. Not even. For the news... It's even worse Squad. than that. She is doing nonsensical things. A serial murderer that is currently being hunted by police has been messaging her. Like the Zodiac Killer. Okay. And he's like, yo, I want to meet you at this 
dive porno theater where there's this individual room where I will have you alone for however long we decide we want to talk. And it's like a porn store that has a viewing room. It's one of those. There are they called peep shows? Yeah, I think that's what's called. It's just like a single small projector that's playing like a reel of like rape footage. Of really uncomfortable porn. Apparently, Dee Wallace really hated doing that scene. So like because it's like projected on her face. So that's like the whole (laughs) day. It's just like that poor woman is like, did she consent to that? She's just staring directly. We hired her, right? (laughs) Yeah. Even if they were meeting at a coffee shop, there's no fucking way anybody would do that now. We've got a serial killer on the loose. Hey, I want to meet you. You are exactly my type. Let's hang out. Would never go down. We don't see this killer guy. We get his creepy voice, and he's talking about how much he likes her, and blah, blah, blah. And, and how he's going to light her whole body up. And then... She turns around, and in this very, like, mysterious way of the camera, we don't get to see anything, but we hear his voice drop. So we can assume, based on the fact that we know this is a werewolf movie, he's transformed, and she's seeing him transform, and it's, it's, um... It's a cool shot, It is a very cool scene. It's just his silhouette with the projection behind him. It's really good. And she's completely terrified. Police break in and they shoot him, we assume, to death. They hear her screaming, so they just shoot through the door. No problems. And then in, like, a really convenient way, she's got, like, amnesia and remembers nothing. She's got PTSD, Kim. It's a really serious thing. That's and... very convenient yeah, for the plot of this movie. Yeah, it's very convenient, Because you're like, did he die? Was it a human they killed? Was it a werewolf the cop saw? Like, we know nothing, yeah. and no, nor does anybody else. And even more convenient, the therapist who they were interviewing on their news channel is the therapist that she goes to see who's like, you know what? Got a non-werewolf colony that you should come hang should out at. Should totally come to my colony. Zero werewolves. <laughs> the colony is very sexually forward, and it's really going to fit tonally when your husband gets naked with this weird pagan. <laughs> yeah, totally not weird at all. Just par for the course at the colony. If anybody tried to sell me on going somewhere and referred to the place as the colony, I'm not going. And it starts with a beach party. You're like, what therapy is happening here? Like, and you expect them to introduce people and like, what's wrong with each of them? But there's just like one old man who wants to die. And they're like, oh, Fred, up to his usual antics. And it's like, these people need real help. Why are they like free to run on the beach and maybe fall in beach fires? Not a good idea. I got the impression that he owns the entire camp. And the doctor? Yeah, because it's his colony. I'm going to go ahead and assume he does. And... Everybody there was either a current patient who was just in need of some rest or previous patients who just happened to go back now for vacation because they had such a great time. Mm. Uh, Or they're all werewolves. Well, I think they're just all werewolves, yeah. Mm. They got something to do with it. Do you think they bring new people because they're like, we need to make you a werewolf? Why does he bring her to the colony? She obviously has something to give because there's a reason the Eddie Quist guy, the serial killer, the serial werewolf killer. Also, that's just a better movie right there. If we just focused on a guy who's a werewolf yeah. who's a serial killer. And the news aspect, like if you have this noir, like reporters yeah. versus cops versus that's mob act triangle three. where the werewolf is the killer. We find out Love act it. three, it's a werewolf. Mm-hmm. Like up to then, just yeah, a serial like killer. That scene in the nudie thing at... Uh, 50 minutes in. Oh, easily. Yeah. That'd be incredible. Yeah. They shoot him, she screams, they open the door, and he's either not there or blah, werewolf. Like, or that's a man, how... because they've shot him, and she's like, he's the wolf, and they're like, what? And then he runs out as the man. 
Because you shoot him and, I don't know, he detransforms. I don't know. Yeah. Either way, this movie is not that. We spend no. <laughs> 90% of it at this colony where we just learn that Cheryl, or Karen, or whatever her name is, has a terrible husband. The worst. He is so awful to her. He's mean to her before he's a werewolf philanderer. <laughs> what is it that he does to her at the beginning? I don't even remember. I just remember not liking him he or does, his mustache. Yeah, he does smack her around and stuff. And he gaslights her. Oh, for fuck... <laughs> He does. I'll give you that. Uh, he's, he's, we had like a 30 minute conversation watching this movie. That's the real reason why we don't really know what's going on because we were trying to figure out the actual concrete definition of gaslighting to determine whether or not that scene after he cheats on her with the pagan oh, werewolf That is 100% woman, gaslighting. He is definitely But you use it her. all the time. Because everybody gaslights everyone. That's not true. If I tell you <laughs> that, okay, if I refuse to make snacks for you, you at midnight. If you let me use the term gaslighting incorrectly, you're gaslighting me? By your definition, anytime anybody does something that you just don't agree with, you're like, this fucking guy's gaslighting her, and I won't stand for it. I think I'm using You're gaslighting it. me over here I on the other I'm end of the studio. I think I'm using it correctly. Yeah, well, we'll never know. There won't be a bunch of people on the internet to tell us. <laughs> when does the husband get scratched, like, on his way home to the cabin, right? There's a... They, they go hunting, I think, and he gets attacked by a wolf or something. He gets attacked by an animal. That's after he's leaving Slutty McGee's cabin, though, because then there's that. That's when we see that wolf chili, and we're like, "Ha!" And <laughs> <laughs> okay, so they they go hunting. He catches a bunny, and he's just like, "So y'all gonna cook that thing?" And he's like, "Well, I never thought about that. Like, you never thought about that? Why the fuck did you go hunting? I guess you just got pressured into it. But either way, this guy goes, "You should y'all just go take it up to my sister. She'll clean it up, cook you for you, no problem." Um. And that is an actual quote. I pulled that from YouTube. Um, that was not me. <laughs> so then she comes on to him in the cabin. He should not have gone to that cabin in the first place. No, because she's... She came on to him immediately. She's got, like, eyes for him. At the barbecue, he's, she's like, drink this. And he's like, why? What's in it? And she just says nothing. And he's like, okay, cool. Um, I'm looking for my wife. And her response was, why? And he says that. He's like, okay, cool. I'm going to just go then. <laughs> Um, this is such an awkward interaction. She comes on to him, and then he very brutally, like, does he shoves her away? Or does he smack her? That's what happens. I don't know if, no, he, I don't think he smacks her. I think you're right. But I remember being She's like, you could have just said no and left. You could have just politely had a dead face. I think we're on a different page here. I'm going to go yeah, to my wife. I'm, so, I'm sorry, maybe I was giving cross signals. I'm going to give you a second chance. Enjoy the bunny. And maybe not assault you yet. But yeah, he just like shoves her across the cabin when that happens. As though she tried to pull a knife on him. And then he's a werewolf. Yeah, I think he gets attacked on the way home, right? Yeah. Is that what happens? So he gets attacked. He's got scratches. They go to the infirmary. No, and then he doesn't have scratches. Karen he gets calls bitten. her friends up, remember? Yeah, so there's this B-plot where the friends are investigating the Eddie Quist guy. They've gotten into his apartment. They see his art. They see his ramblings, his sort of werewolf serial killer manifesto. And they're trying to put together a criminal profile that they can present on the news. Like, who was Eddie Win Quist? Eddie Quist. Who was Eddie Quist? There we go. Take two. Um, <laughs> and in doing so, when they get to the autopsy room, they see that... There's no body. And there's literally, like, a torn-up body bag, and the morgue wrangler guy is just like, oh, Yanks you don't need this. Yeah. I love that I called it morgue wrangler. That's they should true. all be called morgue wranglers. Like, corpses are hard to round up. You know, in, in movies... 
<laughs> Get back here, Gertie. Your funeral's tomorrow. Oh, man. His body's gone. There's scratches on the inside of his little apartment. Uh, compartment. That's what I meant to say. Uh, yep. <laughs> they don't know where he's been. I don't... Oh, I guess she just comes up because she's worried. I was like, why did they call the friend? Like, oh, they, they call because what's-his-name's been attacked by an animal. And she's just scared. And then yeah. you think everybody goes up, but it's just her. Her husband, yeah. I guess, stays back there. Yep. And then he's, like, fine. It's just his arm that's scratched. So, like, you called your friend to get your friend to come up. She left at, like, midnight, right? Yeah. And She's like, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're coming now. She could have hit a moose on the way. <laughs> oh, God, those moose. They're terrifying. I say that because it was, like, the scariest thing ever, driving through moose country at night. Well, also, you hear from everybody that if you hit a moose, the moose is the only one walking away from that accident. Mm. You hear that all the time. Moose are fucking big. You might as well hit a boulder with legs. And horns. And babies. And babies. <laughs> oh. But they survive. Not us. Just the moon. Well, they just walk into the woods and die. One of the two. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. So the friend goes to investigate some other cabin. And then there's a werewolf there. Yeah, she sees the smiley face sticker. That oh, my God. I forgot about that. At the beginning of the movie to say, like, this use this payphone. This is the <laughs> Use this porn store. Use this door. This is my favorite movie. And yeah, and there's a werewolf there. Yeah, broad daylight. Yeah, because these werewolves can do whatever the fuck they want. This is definitely that type of werewolf that can just transform on command. We didn't even talk about that in American Werewolf in London. Okay, yeah, so let's skip back a little bit. (laughs) Where American Werewolf in London... He transforms two days in a row. How? And why? And they say, like, oh, there's a full moon tonight. Like, what was last night? Yeah. You don't get full moon for more than one day. No. That doesn't make any goddamn sense. So, if it just looks full, we're good. If I think it's a full moon, we're good. I think for the sake of... Speeding the shit, the movie up? Yeah, because they're like, we can't have them be there for another month. Like, fuck it. This one, the werewolves can just transform whenever they want. If this was today, and I'm really not looking forward to that remake that's coming next year. Remake? Oh, yeah. Max Landis. John Landis' son. Is remaking this? Is remaking American Werewolf in London. Is remaking American Werewolf in London. Yes. Now, Max Landis, uh, writer and producer, I think, on Bright. Most notably right now, you'd know him for... Dirk Gently and the the Holistic Detective Agency. Okay. That's a good fucking show. I don't know how I feel about it. I remember reading an interview that John Landis told him, don't do it. Not because, like, this is my baby and I love the movie, but people aren't going to like it and there's too much of that going around. Just don't do it. Do something else. <laughs> yeah, that's not a movie that needs to be remade. It's a simple story and it's known for the revolutionary makeup effects. So you either have to do makeup effects and then everybody goes, yeah, we liked it better in the 80s, or you do CGI and then everybody hates you. Yeah. Look at Van Helsing. Hugh Jackman's career has never bounced back. And everybody wanted (laughs) to love that movie. Those vampire brides were so cool. Frankenstein was great in it. And it started black and white. I kind of like Dracula too, even though he's really good in that movie. He was kind of awful and great at the same time. He was like terrible and good. What if he just took the same character that he did in Moulin Rouge and then made it Dracula? Like, what if he was still, like, a sweaty baron? Oh, I like him as the Duke. And Kate Beckinsale's accent is so bad. It's misplaced. It is five different countries in one. Oh, so bad. She's the most Russian Transylvanian person there's ever been. Yeah. 
Fuck. Okay, so we're back in this cabin. Yeah, the Friend Terry, her name's Terry. Yeah. Is being chased by this werewolf, and then she ends up in this, like, crawl space. She cuts that fucking werewolf's arm off. I was getting off. to that. Sorry. I just wanted to say that they were filming in such a fucking tight space, and there was such piss poor lighting and there's a werewolf trying to get in through the top and she's trying to like stay in there you cannot see what is happening for three whole minutes because there's just like arms and body parts and a werewolf blocking the light i think it's intentional i really think it's so like i can't see anything i think we're in a tight space solely so we only have arms like, it's just the werewolf clawing at her. Mm. I think, one, you don't necessarily want to show the full werewolf right away because it's still, I mean, like, we're at least half, if not more than halfway through the movie, and you want to just hold on to that to the end. Yeah. Uh, it builds some tension, and also just a budgetary restriction. Can't afford the whole goddamn werewolf, so we'll get an arm. If you're paying for the suit, though, you might as well fucking use it. I wanted more wolves running through the colony. We didn't really get that. That would have been great. Um... She cuts the fucking werewolf's hand off, though, and that's probably my favorite effect of the scene. Looks of good. The hand turning into that bubbling human hand. Yeah. And it was pretty cool. It was a it was a cool like woman versus wolf moment, and she totally dominated. She cut his arm off. It was really great. But it doesn't matter because he catches up with her again when she's in another office, looking oh, through a filing. Cabinet. I forgot that was my favorite scene too. Honey, are you safe? Is there a filing cabinet? Why? <laughs> Why? Why did you ask that question? And then, then there happens to be a wolf on the filing cabinet. Oh, man. Yeah, that's it. It's just to get her to look over to the camera, or to the corner of the room where the werewolf is. And it turns out it's, um... Eddie Quist. Eddie, what's his name? Serial werewolf of the West. And, uh, yeah, he murders her. <laughs> oh, yeah. In a, it's a weird kill, too. Yeah, I remember there was a lot I wanted to say about the scene when we first watched it, but now it has, like, all left me. Yeah. He picks her up. She's got her feet dangling off the ground. He bites into her neck like a vampire would, in a way. And then, no screaming, everything's silent. We see her legs kicking, and then they stop. And for a moment, I figured he was just knocking her out or something. She didn't, it didn't feel like she was yeah, dead. Yeah, it was so tender. Until Karen comes through the door looking for her. She's getting ready to leave because she confronted Bill about his fucking cheating habits. I would wear those scratches come from on your back. And he smacks her. So she just packs up to go. And when she finds her friend Terry, she, like, no reaction at all. Oh my god, does not even. Like, <laughs> dead friend, move it on. Oh my god, werewolf man. Longest transformation scene in history. Longest ever. Oh yeah, because he's now Eddie. And uh, he's human again. And he takes an attorney to turn into a werewolf. And it is this, like, bubbling, mutating, almost like, acid-born werewolf. Yeah. His neck is, like cancerously large and his forehead is bubbling and it it doesn't look like a werewolf transformation to me I on the other hand love it if you know that you are one of two werewolf movies coming out in the theater it's true you might want to separate yourself from that other transformation sequence yep. we did something entirely different that here. is true i also will say that the final werewolf the full suit werewolf with the ears they're standing up, upright werewolves. Yeah. Love them. They look great. I think they look great. Yeah, they look really good. The 
yeah, later on when there's a bunch of werewolves, because, oh my god, the whole colony was werewolves. I love them. They look like fun, great little furry werewolves, and they're just guys in suits, but, like, they look dope as fuck. And I will have to say that Final Werewolf, like it better than the American Werewolf and London Final Werewolf, transformation scene, though, completely pales in comparison. Oh, yeah, no comparison whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Something that we haven't talked about yet, um, and this is maybe just me, uh, Slim Pickens is my favorite part of this movie. The Sheriff? He is, he's the, I mean, like, I mostly know him as the captain in Dr. Strangelove. He's hilarious as the small town sheriff in this movie. He's just a bumbling idiot who goes from scene to scene with his stomach hanging over his belt and just uh, a cold can of wolf chili on his desk. Yeah, that wolf chili is in there so much. It's everywhere in this movie. It's gotta be a real chili. I think, maybe? I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah, the fucking colony scene is so long, and then when stuff finally happens in that one office with the filing cabinet, <laughs> there's more I wanted to say about that. Like, there were some interesting things that he, that Eddie said to Karen, but I was so, like, consumed with the fact that Karen's reactions were completely wrong in every moment. Like, she throws acid on him. Like, why is there acid in some fucking psychiatric colony office? It's weird. And then... And she's a good actress, too, but... It just didn't... It was weird. Didn't really work here. No. It's unfortunate. Terry's boyfriend shows up because obviously something's happened. He gets there just in time to help Karen out. They escape together, but unfortunately Karen has been attacked by a werewolf in the back seat. You're missing out on the whole, like, colony is werewolves thing. I didn't find it that interesting. That the boyfriend so conveniently brought silver bullets and is able to just, like, dispose of werewolves left and right. Like, the first time we see, like... All these werewolves and, like, the stakes are at their highest. This guy's like, silver bullets! Apart from that one scene where Terry cut that werewolf's arm off, these werewolves didn't really get a time to shine. We didn't get anybody, like, landing on the roof of the building or anything like that. Like, there's one on the windshield, I think, but then it's just, like, gone. (laughs) There is one in the backseat hiding, and it comes out and attacks Karen. It scratches her up and, you know, know, vampire, vampire, werewolf lore... We know that she's doomed to become one. Of course, she defends herself, and she shoots the werewolf in the backseat, kills him instantly, but when we look back to see who it was, it was her husband, Bill! We all knew that. We all knew it was going to be her husband, Bill. He was a dick anyway. He was a dick. This is a domestic abuse story that's just given you a really good excuse to kill your shitty husband. Yeah, and we never talked about that, like, sex scene where he transforms for the first time and, like, without any conversation or whatever, just, like, collides with this sketchbag pagan woman. In the middle of the forest. Yeah, like, she just disrobes and he's totally just like, yep, I'm a wolf now, so, like, you know, animal urges take precedence over human marital vows. And it's like, um, dude, you're still a human for... 29 days out of the month so (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then they're transforming which is interesting like they get furry and stuff and i don't really get sexuality in werewolf movies like it's in vampire movies because vampires are cool and they're already naturally sexy okay um werewolves are furry and kind of gross Mm -hmm. so I know that the second Howling movie, which we sort of watched after this one, is a lot more in the sexuality werewolf thing, but there's nothing sexy about two furry bodies, like, climbing on top of each other. That's a little National Geographic for me, Okay. and I don't think it's sexy. I did really enjoy, though, when in mid-transformation, the 
um, the footage transformed into a cartoon. That was strange. <laughs> that was a fun two, choice. The two werewolves at the fire in the woods. I loved it. It was so obvious and uh, great. That was very weird. Much appreciated. But Karen and her producer for the show, they make it out of there. And they're, they instead of going to a hospital or back home, they go to work. They go right to the news station, and they're getting geared up because there's been some breaking news. There's been fire that's sprung out of the colony, and they're there with an eyewitness account. Of course, she does not read the teleprompter. She's got her own story to tell. And, you know, just as they're getting ready to pull the plug, she starts to turn into a fucking werewolf uh, on live TV. Because everybody's gotta know. We gotta know the truth. We gotta tell them. And then the friend's husband shoots her. And so... On live TV. Yeah, woman transforms into werewolf on live TV and gets murdered. And then it's like a shot of a bunch of different audiences reacting on whether it's real or special effects. And then we see that pagan woman ordering a rare burger at some random diner. So, you know, she survived. Yeah, can we also say that... During the credits, we linger that on that burger. That rare burger is disgusting. And they don't even... Uh, okay. I mean, like, I'm not going to eat it. But it won, yeah. Maybe that's gross. just like our vegan, like, <laughs> like, ugh. The whole but, movie, like... But when that guy flips that burger, he leaves, like, a third of the burger on the grill. Like, he doesn't even flip it. Ugh. There's a crime to burgers everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> vegan or not. <laughs> uh, respect your burgers. So, that was an interesting movie. Did you read anywhere that they, um, the final transformation with Dee Wallace is a close-up on her face because they could not, they didn't have any money left in the budget to shoot it? Oh, wow. Yeah, because they wanted, like, this big, full set piece and, uh, like, her and full-body werewolf transformation, but it just did not happen. Oh, I love her eyes, though, in that. I thought it oh, was... Oh, and, like, her single little tear that drips I down her furry I thought it was, like, cheek. really <laughs> subtle, and I thought that it was interesting that she didn't look fully wolfy. Like, I know it was a little bit prettier than the other wolves for her first transformation. Well, it's it was, Wallace. It was <laughs> nice, too. It was nice looking, and it was cool for somebody who doesn't want to be a werewolf and is doing it for like the good of making the public aware which is like her entire job as a news anchor yeah and i liked it i loved the ending i thought it made up for the fact that the whole movie was predictable and in a weird colony <laughs> yeah her character is a little weak throughout the whole movie with she just, the exception uh, of the beginning and the end yeah but... and yeah it was just the reactions and stuff and also her husband was a dick to her so mm -hmm. like so what would you rate this movie uh i'm gonna have a hard time because it's it's not as good as an American Werewolf in London, but it's a different movie. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about the colony stuff. I love the idea of, like, the beginning of the film with the murder and the mystery and the news anchor stuff. It's always a fun protagonist to follow in, like, a whodunit kind of movie. And the fact that it's werewolves is really interesting. I just don't know if I would have taken it the way that they did. Uh, so I'm probably going to go a one and a half out of four. I was going to do it too, but that seems too kind for a movie I'm probably never going to watch again. kind of feel the same way. Two out of four seems too high, even though parts of the movie weren't bad at all. But yeah, the majority of the movie, like the second and most of the third act, didn't really do much no, for me. No, and like I have a hard time talking about them because I had a hard time paying attention to them. I was just waiting for like, okay, where in, when are the werewolves happening again? You know what I mean? Like, we were promised a werewolf, we didn't get to see it, and then, like, convenient amnesia, and you're just 
the ties and stuff you like you know everybody at the colony is a werewolf but you're like why is this doc like how did this doctor conveniently fall into her life yeah the colony was weirder like there was something strange happening at the colony and her in her journalistic impulses started investigating the colony and she's supposed to be there for like psychiatric treatment and maybe her husband is getting fed up with her because she can't like put work aside and she's too busy accusing everyone of being werewolves or murderers or he, whatever yeah he goes off to have some fun with people at the colony like well fine fuck it i'm gonna enjoy this vacation because honestly there's no real reason for him to be there no there isn't yeah no he's supposed to be emotionally supportive which is the opposite of what he does when he's there oh yeah (laughs) yeah the exact opposite so uh, i'm also going to give this movie a 1.5 out of 4 but i would still say watch it i think a lot of people have nostalgia for this movie yeah uh But yeah, so I guess American Werewolf wins. That's not really a huge surprise. Let us know what you thought, though. Sound off in our Facebook group. That's facebook.com slash groups slash horror fiends of NOFS. We'll start a thread over there for you guys to talk about both movies. We're going to stick around for a few more minutes and play a game that I'm calling Like Encyclopedia Britannica? Ooh. Or it, it's like Lycanthropia. I don't know. I'm trying to find a punny way to say lichen and encyclopedia, and my tongue's not having it. Like encyclopedia. Like encyclopedia. If you want to listen to that, that is going to be landing on Patreon for our Patreon supporters. That's at patreon.com slash nightmare on film street. That bonus little companion episode. We've also uploaded the Strangers Pray at Night episode. And before you head out, if you have a quick second to leave us a five-star rating and review, wherever you're grabbing this episode, it really helps us get the show in front of more fiends. And grow the horde. But that's it for us for now. I'm John. I'm Kim. Stay Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive. Just long enough to tell the tale of the nightmare on Film Street. Ah! Help us grow the horde. Leave a review on iTunes or wherever you subscribe. Continue this week's conversation on Twitter by following at NOFS Podcast. And as always, more terror can be found lurking on our website www.nightmareonfilmstreetpodcast.com Until next week, stay creepy, fiends.